Welcome. This is Andrew Schechter, host of Politically Incorrect Podcast on EA Truth Media, brought to you via Truth Radio, brought to you by Eternal Affairs Media every Thursday night. And today we have a very special guest. We'll introduce him in just in a moment. Let's open with a prayer for our guest and for all the people. We're going to be talking about mental illness. There's a lot of that going around in the country, and a lot, a lot of, a lot of prayers needed more than now, more than ever. Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, we pray. We pray for all those in need. We pray for all those who are suffering, especially those who don't have a friend and don't have God to guide them. God, we pray that you will come into their hearts and come into the hearts of all those that are trying to help them and of the communities to assist those those people, that they might have a brighter future. We pray for our great guest host tonight, that is, all of these projects might have great success and may, might lead to, to, to your great glory. Um, in, in your heavenly name, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So our guest today, a very special guest today, is Cristobal Cruxen. Uh, Cristobal Cruxen is a filmmaker by profession, and his latest film is, um, or I don't mind if it's his latest, but the one we're talking about tonight is, uh, is the, uh, the film that shines on, men- on mental illness. It's going to be um, about uh, the son, let me have... Let, let me have my son. I believe is the title of the movie. Correct me if I'm wrong, Cristobal. When he like turned it over, it shares a journey of a father who's navigating his relationship with a son who spent his adulthood in psychiatric hospitals, um, bringing awareness to issues surrounding mental illness, giving support to families, dispelling the stigma surrounding the disease. Let me have my son is now available as a virtual cinema event. The award-winning film was created by writer director Cristobal Cruzan. Messenger Films and is distributed through Ocean Avenue Entertainment. And to the website of letmehavemyson.com for this. With no further ado, Cristobal, can you tell me what inspired this? Tell me the story behind it, maybe a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, thank you, Andy. Well, the story is very personal. The story comes from my son, who was my, my firstborn child. His name is Daniel. And He was a beautiful child, uh, normal in every respect, or even above above average, you might say, in many respects. A great athlete, handsome, you know, a fair enough student. (laughs) But in his uh, mid to later teens, he began demonstrating some mental mm, irregularities, instability. And he was ultimately diagnosed with schizophrenia. And it became so severe and debilitating that he had to be um, committed at the age of 18, um, involuntarily committed or civilly committed to the state mental hospital in Virginia, where we were living at the time. And it appeared to be a very dire situation because he was not responding well to medications at all. And so he wasn't improving in the hospital setting. And it was a very bleak kind of place anyway. He was kept in isolation. I would visit him, um, but he was not allowed out. So he never came home. Uh, It was just very, very difficult. The years passed until I became his legal guardian after he had been in this hospital for about five years in Virginia. And with that leverage of being his legal guardian, I insisted the hospital give him to me because I decided I would move to Mexico. <laughs> um, you know, leaving the country, I 
I had lived in Mexico before. I speak the, the language. I had friends there. I just frankly thought I would and my family would be better off in Mexico. So we lived there for a while and he did much better um, in Mexico, but had a major relapse after about a year, had to be re-hospitalized in Mexico. And, you know, um, right down to the present, it's been a very difficult time. But about seven years ago, eight years ago, I felt very impressed that I should dramatize, his name is Daniel, dramatize Daniel's story into a film, you know, tell his story. Uh, And not as a documentary, but more as a drama. And try to capture uh, well the details of of his life and his journey but also to explore the inner world of it all and the the psychological dimension and the spiritual dimension and where does faith a christian i'll say the christian faith come into all of this um, and so i began writing a screenplay about now we're talking maybe four years ago and it's just been a long process. We, I finished the script uh, two and a half, three years ago, and now we have finished the filming of the entire movie. It's completed. And as you mentioned in your prelude there, it's actually in distribution right now. You can see it um, online. And would that be at the website that I mentioned uh, in the pre- in the in the preliminary? Uh... Yes, if you go to letmehavemyson.com, you'll find the information on how to uh, watch the film. It's fantastic. Maybe you could enlighten us a bit. I've been through. I've had a, some issues with it, with a son with a mental illness uh, who's still got issues at this point, and he's on his own. But well, I, I worry about him every day. Uh, when schizophrenia in particular, how does that relate? What what are the symptoms, and what how do you, how do you determine and, and, and that your that your that your son or child or daughter has has schizophrenia or anyone else, any of your loved ones? Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, there are often hallucinations. There's an altered reality. They imagine things. Uh, they might hear voices. There, or they imagine people or saying things about them. They might uh, just look at the same thing that you and I are looking at, but see something else. They might see danger where there is no danger. They might see a threat where there's no threat. So there's, it's a personality disorder as well. I mean, I'm no doctor. I, I wouldn't be able to, you know, give you a full academic description of it, but it's, there's a, there's a sense of of, of uh, just uh, detachment from reality and even living in an alternate reality where what you think is real and important makes no sense to anyone else. And so if the schizophrenic is largely, let's say, peaceable, um, then that's really not so much a problem in terms of interaction with society. I mean, it might be embarrassing or awkward at times, 
But if the schizophrenic person is given to um, outbreaks of anger, you know, or violence, in my son's case, he was often imagining things that were not happening, that were not real, and then striking out at people that he thought posed a threat. And that happened many times. And that's why his institutionalization was so, so severe. I'll use the word severe, where he was kept in isolation and not allowed to go out of the hospital um, because they considered him a danger to himself and others, which is probably something you and most of the listeners have heard before, that phrase being a danger to yourself or others and or others. Um, This is what will activate sometimes a police response or, you know, a trip to the psych ward. And in my son's case, institutionalization. But, you know, it's interesting. He's doing so much better now as you and I speak. He's on the verge of being discharged from the hospital. In fact, his discharge has already been granted. And we're just putting the final touches on the group home he'll be going into and other details like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, so it's imminent and it's a remarkable turnaround, which I attribute in part to the hospital where he has been uh, giving him a roommate. <laughs> All those years they were keeping him in isolation and he wasn't getting better. And when, a, when he had a roommate, it just sort of, I just, you know, activated something in him, the human element, right? I think came came to life in a special way as he had to interact with another person who also was or is uh, suffering from mental illness. And, you know, he had to, he had to learn to get along and he did get along. He, in fact, he has done remarkably well. So that's been a, a really significant plus and bright spot that he has done so well over these last couple of years and is now on the verge of discharge. So we, we are looking for a whole new, um, a whole new life for Daniel and the movie, you know, the movie is complete. The movie is finished. And I think it will always be appropriate and relevant in our world because it, it, it really describes the father's perspective on all of this and the caregiver. The father in, in the story is the, the main caregiver and the one who is so desperate to help his son. And he goes through this epic journey to help his son. He's actually in the story of the movie. He's contacted to, and informed that his son is ready for discharge and he goes to the hospital to bring him home to only to discover his son is missing, which triggers this search through the labyrinthine hospital and all these sort of adventures and misadventures and his desperate search to find his son um, until he, until he finds peace and ultimately does find his son. Um, So it's a very hopeful film ultimately. And it, it, it really speaks to, I would say, our, our need to give everything to God in this life, give him all of our 
doubts and worries and fears and sufferings, our insecurities, our shortcomings, our failures, and trust him to take us to where we need to go, to where we need to go to find fulfillment and peace. And and the father and son do discover that uh, in the course of the film. They do dis- they do find that meeting place and that um, reunion, and they find they find each other ultimately. And it had to have been a, a tough situation as as one father with a with a child with psychiatric issues to another. Um, I know it's difficult to say. Lord, I've failed. How could I have failed? Uh, This can't be possible. And he he can't be that sick or she can't be that sick. Um, He or she can't be. It's hard to understand that. And as a parent, you have that ultimate thought that it's your fault. You did something wrong or God has forsaken you. Uh, How how did you get by that? How did you come to the realization ultimately? I know how I did, but I'm curious how you came to that realization suddenly that you've got to give this – individual uh, to the institutions that can actually help him. And he's not going to ever, you know, recover on his own, I guess. Yeah, I, it, it's, it was a, a process as you know, it was nothing overnight. Um, one thing uh, that we haven't talked about uh, so far is that before the movie was made, I, I actually wrote a book and not so much that I wrote a book as I put a book together from prayer letters that had been written over quite a few years in which I was initially anyway, just emailing friends, telling them, hey, my son's in a difficult situation. Please pray for him, pray for me and pray for us as a family. And those monthly emails I sent out kind of became a a, a movement of sorts in that many people, joined this group, this prayer group, praying for my son, praying for me. Um, it grew to include people I never met. I didn't know, but they heard about what was happening through someone else. And and I really do believe that those prayers um, were vital, have, have been vital to my survival as a Christian, as a father, to my son's survival and the fact that he is still together still alive still with us here on earth um so i i want to point out that prayer has had a, a major positive influence in my life and my son's life in in all of this and you know when i talk to my son on the phone because he's still in the hospital. He'll be in the hospital for another month or two before he goes into the group home. Uh, We'll often pray together (laughs) Um, toward the end of the call, usually, and I'll say a prayer for him, and then he'll usually say, let me pray for you, Dad, and then he'll, he'll pray for me. And during the process of making the movie, which was pretty much all consuming for three years of my life, meaning I was writing, I was casting, I was scouting locations, I was shooting, you know, so many editing, so many aspects of the film uh, were being done over like a three-year period of time. 
And when my son and I would talk on the phone, he would always <laughs> ask me, well, how is the film coming? And and he would pray, he would pray, Lord, this is just an example of how he would pray. He would say, Lord, help my dad make a beautiful film and may this film um, help many people find Jesus Christ. Um, that was his prayer, you know, un unrehearsed, unscripted. That was his prayer and still is his prayer. So, uh, you know, I, not to, I've kind of, uh, detoured from your question a bit there, but I, I just would say that, you know, my, my, my own experience is that you should not give up whatever you're going through, you with your son, me with my son, someone else with their child or a loved one. It could be a parent, right? Just, just don't give up. Um, I, I like to think, and I do believe that, first of all, nothing is impossible for God. And I also believe that if something something is happening to you in your life, and you know the Lord and you love the Lord, you have to trust him in the process of whatever it is you're going through. You really have to trust him. That's something that has been difficult for me to live out. And I have fallen short many times. I've been angry with God at times. But ultimately, I come back to a simple trust in God as my father, who knows what's best, you know, and that's that's where I that's where I end up. Once when I was in Mexico and he had had that relapse I mentioned earlier and had to be hospitalized again in Mexico, I was so discouraged. And I felt one night as I was praying that God spoke to my heart. I didn't hear an audible voice, but I felt I felt God speaking to my heart and asking me if I believed in the resurrection. And I said, yes, Lord, I believe in the resurrection. I do. That's part of my faith. Our Christian faith is we have hope in the resurrection. I believe in the resurrection. And I felt God comfort me in that moment and, and assure me that this travail, these troubles are only for a season. It's momentary. It is passing. And there will be a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory that will come upon us. And my son and I will be together forever in heaven where there'll be no more crying, no more pain. In fact, <clears throat> when my son and I prayed two days ago, without any prompting from me, he said in his prayer, God, I hope I can be with my father in heaven uh, forever. And we will be happy there. We'll be happy there. There'll be no more separation. We'll be together. Um, and, so. and you will. I, I assure you, you will. They said, "What? You know, we need to have a lot of faith." A couple of things that I, I want to point out, and maybe you can enlighten, and then we'll we'll, we'll be able to put, tie the bow on this. But a couple of things. Number one, you made a good point that that Jesus will will steer you. God is with us. Um, 
and, and will ultimately prevail, even whether it's with, with, uh, with our, our illnesses or, or the political situation or the, the uh, whatever might be going on. God will prevail. God has a plan. But we need to follow what God tells us to do, too. There are some people out there who just sit back and pray and pray and pray. And sometimes they get, it, get, they get it, sometimes they don't. But God doesn't want us to sit on our laurels. God directs us. So I encourage yeah. everybody to listen with their heart when they're in a situation and, and do what God tells you to do. It's very important. And if you have anyone in a situation that has a possible mental uh, condition, psychiatric condition, uh, very important to utilize the, the, the free hotlines and, and tools and institutions. More and more are, are coming back. When I was younger, there were many, many great psychiatric institutions, and they shut them all down saying, we don't need to put everybody out there. And that, that was the saddest thing that they could have done, but they are starting to come back now. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I think that was a big mistake. Uh, but, yeah. Mm-hmm. So do you have anything to close up uh, the the uh, the interview today, or would you like to talk about any of your other projects that you had to and so, or direct people to your website again, uh, just so they know where well, to find you? Yeah, yeah. I well, okay. I uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I became a Christian at the age of twenty nine, and I had studied filmmaking prior to that. I had graduated from NYU, New York University Film School, and I thought, wow, I'm going to be a hotshot filmmaker now, you know. And I had my eyes set on, <clears throat> excuse me, I had my eyes set on moving to Hollywood and <clears throat> had my eyes set on moving to Hollywood and uh, starting out as a script writer, and, you know, kind of working my way up and all of this and that. But a, a, a spiritual search, that's really what I would call it. It was conscious. It wasn't, it wasn't sort of a, like you were just saying, it wasn't me just sitting around saying, well, if God wants to show me something, he can do it. It was, I was quite active. <laughs> I said, I want to find the meaning, the purpose of life. I want to discover truth. I want to know if there is more uh, than more to life, more to this world than just the physically observable universe you know that what we touch and taste and feel is it possible that there's a spiritual dimension and if that exists what is it and how, how do you access it and so forth and i went on this quest it lasted almost three years uh and i went through the world's religions the major religions anyway and the last one i looked into was christianity not the first but the last and I found in reading the Bible that I was just totally taken with Jesus, the, his, his words. I mean, I read, you know, reading the Gospels, it was just, <clears throat> it was just so beautiful, so wonderful. And when I read the Sermon on the Mount, I said, aha, this is the truth. I found the truth that encapsulated the truth for me. And so I didn't become a Christian immediately, but within a year of reading the Bible, and I read the whole Bible before I became a Christian, I signed on, so to say, and gave my life to Christ. And then I thought, well, I won't be a filmmaker now, because how can God use something that is so, to my way of thinking, you know, vain and corrupt and 
licentious and <laughs> other adjectives we could throw at it. Um, so I assumed God would have no <clears throat> use for me in that arena. And I thought, okay, well, I'll become a missionary. I tried that for a time, <clears throat> excuse me, became a missionary for a couple of years, but there was always a pull, a pull back to the arts, a pull back to storytelling, creativity, creative storytelling. And through after a lot of prayer, a lot of prayer, I was very timid. Uh, I was hesitant to go back into filmmaking. But I finally felt, okay, this is what God would have me do. And so I went back into filmmaking. And But I was a Christian now. So my approach to filmmaking from that time, and we're going back now to 1986, uh, 87, 88. <clears throat> I made my first film in 1988, filmed that in Mexico in Spanish, and filmed subsequent to that other films in Latin America that had a Christian theme or message. I worked at CBN in Virginia Beach for a number of years after that where I made a lot of uh, films and testimonies for television and then went full-time into messenger films. And I would encourage your listeners to check us out on online at messengerfilms.com. I, uh, I, I made films <clears throat> in many parts of the world, different parts of the world, Africa, Asia, and the United States, Europe. And so today, I though I'm you know I'm an older man, but I have a lot of energy and enthusiasm. There's still a creative flow <clears throat> in my life and a desire to make more films that will bring glory to God. That's what I really want to do more than anything else. And I I can close with this brief story. I was out walking uh, a week ago, and which I like to do every day, take a walk. And I looked up in the sky. It was late afternoon. The sun was setting. It was a beautiful sunset. And I looked up at the clouds. And I said uh, in a prayer, God, will you please take what is left of my life and use it for your glory? And I, I believe he heard that prayer. And so now we'll we'll see what else we make, what else I might be fortunate or privileged to produce. I don't know what the future holds, but <clears throat> I do believe that God will take what is left of my life and use it for his glory. Amen. And just to let you know, it's, I was, I was, I was just shocked at your, at what you were saying, because you and I followed almost exactly the same path, going through the multiple religions and ending up in Christianity, reading the Bible before I made a commitment. I read three versions of the Bible before I made a commitment. And then I, I went out and got my, my degree at a biblical seminary and started a church because I felt that the other churches were not Christian enough. Um, so we followed similar paths, and I really I, I praise you for what you're doing, Cristobal, and I hope you have great success in all things you do in the future. And you are always, always welcome back on our podcast if you have a or our or our um, or on an interview like we're doing now. 
uh, you're always welcome to, to participate. We, we, we really appreciate that. And again, folks, Cristobal Cruson with his uh, uh, great uh, filmmaker, with his film, Let Me Have My Son at letmehavemyson.com. Please do look at that. And thanks again for being on tonight. And then we'll close with saying good evening and thank you so much. And God bless you, Cristobal. Thank you, Andy. Thank you. God bless all my listeners too. Have a great, have a great night. Thanks again.